resident God. What is a resident God? We're understanding what it means for the God who created the universe to live inside of every single one of us. All of God. How many understand you have all of God inside of you today? I've been in church sometimes and heard a little preaching uh, about the Holy Spirit that someone said, if, you know, it sounded to me like they were getting the Holy Spirit in degrees. You know what I'm talking about? Like this person had more of the Holy Spirit than that person, you know, and this person because they had this and that. You know, they got a little Holy Spirit. They've got a lot. Listen, if he's in you, he's in you. Huh? All of him. Come on. How many can say amen to that? So, so nobody has any more of the Holy Spirit than somebody else if you're a believer. No Christian has more of God than another Christian. Listen, listen, I want want you to get this. So the question is not who has more God. Either he is there or he is not, right? Okay, so so we all have the same amount of God. Listen to me. The question is how much of us does he have? There's the variable factor. Okay, you get that again? Look, I have a lot of people spend their time on the wrong issue. The question is not how much of God do I have. The question is how much of me does God have? All right, are you with me on it? There's the, there's the deal. So let's look at this resident God. Let's go back to John 14 and verse 15. I'd like to read uh, a passage we looked at to begin this series. And, and let's see Jesus' terminology, okay? This is, this is the upper room discourse, the theologians call it. This is uh, his last supper with the disciples before he would be crucified on the next day. And so he's giving them very important information about how they go forward. And uh, you, you, you could say uh, the, the, a person's last words, the things that a person says knowing they're about to die are very important words. And so what was Jesus saying in this upper room? So he tells them in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. So in other words, he said, I've been teaching you and I'm, I'm going to shift. He had told them earlier, I'm going to go back to the father. But he said, here's the deal. If you really love me, you're going to continue to do the things I've taught you, Right. So, so, amen? Does obedience demonstrate our love for God? According to that verse, yes, it does. So if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Verse 16, what happens? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. The terminology meaning someone else like me. Another in the same form. Not different, but another in my likeness. So he says, uh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. One translation says comforter. One says advocate, synonyms for the same word, comforter, counselor, advocate, to be with you how long? Uh, Then who is he? The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, right? The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives where? With you, here it comes, and he will be in you. Then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. And so Jesus said this amazing transformation was going to happen. It was the plan God had worked on for centuries for God not to be close to us and, and, and behind a veil or near us in some fashion, but to come live inside of us. That's what we read. It's an amazing, amazing concept. Not a concept, a reality that God moved in us. Can I, uh, it, it's just a minute. Well, let me go forward. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Turn there with me. And let's see what happens. How, how does this work? Let, let's be honest. How in the world could the holy God that created the universe, who knows no sin, who has no shadow of turning, how could this holy God come live inside human beings like you and me? How could a holy God come and live in us? Only through the cross of Jesus Christ. 
the communion we took today uh, that reminded us of what Jesus did on the cross, how he shed his blood, how he paid for our sins, how he made us acceptable before God was so completely perfect. We're 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It was so completely perfect in the eyes of God that God completely accepts us and moved in to live inside of us. Now, let, let's look at it from this passage and, and let's understand it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, we read here, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many are in Christ? Let me see that. In the pretty, we're in him, he's in us, right? Watch this. If anyone is in Christ, they now have a season ticket to go to church on Sunday mornings. Oh, man, what did I do? I'm sorry. Right? Let's read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is what? Wow. A new creation. When we come to Christ, the Bible says we start all over again. The Bible uses the term born again. We're a new creation. I want you to think about that for a moment. That's the great consequence of the resident God moving inside of you. That you get to start over. That no matter where you've been and how bad it's been and what's happened, you're a new creation. Now, I have to tell you that that is, we're instantly accepted in the eyes of God. That, that, that's the, the biblical term, the theological term, justification. Do you know the second you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, he looks at you as if you had never sinned. Is that amazing? How many are thinking? Let me say that again. Do you get that? Because, and isn't it interesting that the second, the instant you ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior, he forgives your sin, he accepts you. I'm about to read how he looks at you. And in the eyes of God, he looks at you as if you've never sinned. Instantly you're accepted. Isn't it amazing how the devil's always trying to make you feel guilty about your past? And other people are always making you feel guilty about your past and trying to tie your identity to your past failures when in the eyes of God it doesn't even exist anymore. It's amazing, isn't it? So instantly we're justified. We're given that position before God. But how many of us understand that although instantly we're justified, instantly we're accepted, God looks at you as if you've never sinned. You don't have to keep worrying with that. Now the work starts. Okay, have we heard what I just said? Don't you wish we were instantly perfect? Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Don't you wish you were instantly perfect? Well, that means you're dead. And that you're in heaven. Because, see, as long as we're living in this body, we have a carnal nature. But isn't it interesting? The Bible says we're supposed to be dead in Christ. Dead in Christ. So when we come to Christ... We're instantly accepted. There's no condemnation. God forgives us. Slate white clean. We're accepted before God. The Holy Spirit moves in my life. Now, why did he move in my life? Because there's some work to be done. I'm a new creation. I need to learn how to live that new creation out, right? We need to learn how to walk this thing out. The potential is unlimited. Did you hear what I said? The potential is unlimited. Listen, there is no addiction, hang-up, brokenness, uh, uh, stronghold that is greater than the power of God when the Holy Spirit moves in your life. But we have to walk this out, right? The power's there. The ability is there. The potential is there. The plans are there. There is no ceiling on you. Listen, I don't care. We, we lay, we, you hear me say this often, but you have to get this. We spend so much time debating uh, uh, why we are the kind of people we are before we met Christ. Well, I'm this way because my family was this way. I'm this way because I was born this way. Listen, are you with me? I want you to get this stuff. 
I want you to get this. Well, I'm the way I am and it's not my fault because they did this. I'm the way I am and it's not my fault because they didn't do this. I am the way I am and it's not my fault because I have different genes or I have a compulsive personality or I have... Hey, hey listen to me. Everybody on this planet... That's not, or everybody on this planet has an addictive personality. It's called the carnal nature. We're flesh eaters. Don't look holy and stare back at me like that. You were born as carnal as Hitler. You and I were born as carnal as your worst enemy. You know, all those people you think you're better than wouldn't touch them. You just like them. Don't shout me down. You know, all you Democrats can't understand how a Christian can be a Republican. Well, all the Republicans can't understand how all you Democrats can be a Christian. Got quiet in the house, didn't it? Well, I need an organ. See, what I'm trying to say is we all are who we are by the grace of God. And without the grace, without the cross, there's no hope for us. But the truth is, instead of fighting, fuming, fussing, excusing, wallowing, uh, alibi about how we were born or what's been done to us, the Bible says when you come to Christ, you're accepted that instant and you become a new creation. So let's start focusing on who we are now instead of who we were. Let's start contending for what God said we can be instead of laboring with where we were were let's grab this new creation the only way we live that new created life is the power of the resident God living inside of us see before we were living at our own ability and now we are living with the God of the universe inside of us how many understand what I'm saying okay so so therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation look at this the old has gone the new has come Come on, what else are we going to say? Well, um, it just took me longer than others. And, you know, you don't know what I've been through. I don't. But I know what Jesus went through. (laughs) I know what he did for us. I know what that word says. And somewhere in your life you have to decide, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. (laughs) I'm finished with being who I was. And I want to say, I want to be who he says I am. And so we begin to realize that this resident God is living in us, all right? Uh, and, and let's keep reading. All this is from Him. All this is from Him. See that? Who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, see, listen, man. You not only are not who you were, you're, the, you're a minister. Well, I want a title. You got one, man. Why do you want a title? Who, you don't need a title. You need the anointing. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not going to go to that church. They didn't give me a title. Maybe there's a reason they didn't give you one. <laughs> but if you need a title before you go to work, you never need it. Listen, you need a towel before you need a title. You need to start washing some feet before you start polishing your badge. <laughs> Come on, don't shout me down. I know you didn't. I, I know this isn't what you're supposed to say in church, but somebody's got to t- preach the Bible. All right? So, so look at this. So, so what, what, are we, what are we looking at here? says, we're minister. I want you to tap somebody on the shoulder. If you know their name, call a minister. Say, good morning, minister so-and-so. Okay, I want everybody to put your right hand in the air right now. Put your left hand on your Bible or your phone, whatever you're doing to read the Scripture. Come on, right now. I hereby, in the authority... No, I'll do this part. You just raise your hand. I hereby 
by the authority invested in me in Jesus Christ, ordain you into the ministry of reconciliation. In the name of Jesus, I ordain you as a minister of reconciliation. You got a title. <laughs> now let's go to work. That's a good start. Okay, just say it. Now, let's look at this. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Man, I'm taking too much time. I just got... Help me, Jesus. All right. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Look at this. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Isn't it exciting? My job's not to tell a sinner that you're a bad old nasty sinner and you need to straighten up. My anointed calling is to tell them, I don't, it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done and where you've been. There is a God who loves you and he's reaching to you right now and he wants to change your life. That's our calling. I don't feel like I got to make everybody act right. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm, I am ordered by God to bring good news to everybody. And God will change their life. All right. <clears throat> Verse 20. We are therefore God's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. How's he making his appeal? Through us. Man. We implore you. <clears throat> pardon me on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Now look at this. This, this is who you are because of the cross and the resident God. Look at this titles. Okay. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, no sin, to be sin or the sin offering for us. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, God looks at us as righteous. You're not only a minister. You're righteous through Christ. The transformation is stunning. We, we, we need to think about this. Spend some time with it. Broken, sinful, unworthy men and women, so redeemed, so forgiven, so accepted. When God looks at you through Christ, he says, you're righteous. The, 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 term, the term here that... That uh, God made him who had no sin to become a sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wrapped in a robe of righteous acceptance, position, God looks at you because of Christ as righteous. Therefore, he can come live inside your life. And what did we read? This is not from us, it is all from God. Church family, when you really understand the grace of God, it doesn't cause you to take his grace for granted and live an ungodly life and abuse it. it. It causes you to say, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you would forgive me, that you would love me, that you would accept me, that you would give me status in front of you, that you would call me righteous. God, what can I do? What can I say? See, this is the relationship of a resident God. What do we read in John 14? He, he's our counselor. He's our comforter. 
See, that we carry that with us 24-7. So, so what do we do as in any relationship? So what, what should I do? How do I respond knowing this position we have with this resonant God that, that I begin to be a man or woman of prayer? I talk to him. It, and I don't just, you know, quote somebody else's prayer. I talk to him. You're in a relationship. Come, come on, get real. Well, I, you know, how far would I gotten with Phyllis? In those early days when, you know, pardon me, honey, I'd never disrespect you, but I said, God, you know, if you would bless me with a righteous fox, I would be so thankful. <laughs> I said righteous first. And when I saw her, I said, whoa, Jesus, you did it. God, God have my... I went to church, got double blessed. Woo. Well, what up in the early days, you know, if we can, can think about it, talk about a relationship, folks. How do you pray? How do you talk to God? What if, an, if she and I, can you imagine, you know, here we are, young college people, and, 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 and we're talking. I said, Well, Phyllis, how art thou today? Have thou hadst a most wonderful day? I was thinking that. Would it be possible if somehow we could uh, speak to thy parents and see if it might be well that we could commune together today? What is that? Who's that guy? What weirdo tree did he fall out of? You just talk. You just talk. You just become real. You just spend enough time where you really become real. And you talk and you trust. That's prayer. You don't do all this stuff with God. You don't make up these words and try to sound like great grandma Jones or or apostle bishop elder whatever. You just talk. You just talk. When you need help, you say help. When you say when you're having trouble, you say God, are you with me? I I help me, God. I'm walking through this thing, God. I'm hanging on by a thread. I I Jesus, come. You, you got me. And then, and then you don't just talk to him when you're in a crisis. Huh? He not, his, his middle name isn't Lifesaver. You understand? He, you talk to him. God, I just wanted to get up this morning and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. God, I thank you. Can, can I just, I just want to sit down. And, and, and you get your Bible out. And you're not just reading your Bible because you got the daily Bible schedule. It's just like, oh, God's talking to me. God's talking to me. And you get alone and you, and, and you get quiet and, and, and you turn off that cotton-picking thing. That's an Arkansas term, cotton-picking. You, 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 you get that off and, and you get this out and, and you get here. See, see, this is why I have a Bible and not just a phone. Because when you're reading your Bible on the phone, come on, let's get real. Your messages come up and your notices come up. and Just about the time your Holy Spirit's talking to you, come on, then the devil sends you a text. Come on, don't shout me down. Well, you're having a good morning and you're reading a word and somebody defriended you. <gasps> My life's over. You were right in the spirit and fell in the pit of depression. I don't get any text except Holy Ghost 101 out of this. <laughs> 
And so I get still and I get quiet and I get somewhere and I sit down and, and, and most of you got to have coffee to get up. I think God, I'm ADD enough. I don't like coffee. Probably it was a gift from God. If you put too much caffeine in me, it's a bad combination. So, so I, I get my little tea. It don't make fun of me. Don't judge, you know. And I got my little hot tea and, and I'm just sitting there and man, I'm just, whoa, God. Look at you, God. Look at you, God. Man, God, I want to be like that. God, I want to be that man. I'm looking in that mirror. You know what I'm talking about? His word's a mirror, and I'm saying, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I read those promises. I'm like, oh, that's mine today. That's my today. I got rhema today. This, I had one. Oh, this is today. God, you, anybody understand what I'm talking about? You're, 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 you're in fellowship. He lives in you. And so because of that, you're praying, you're reading. And, and listen, when I'm by myself, I can sing as good as Joey and Eddie James together. I'm going to tell you, by my, see, I don't like to have my devotion always around. I, I even get embarrassed to sing in front of Phyllis. Now, she knows everything about me. But sometimes when I get in the car, oh, yeah, baby. I'm telling you, I crank it up, and that worship's on. I'm the baddest worship leader in the, on the planet. I'm telling you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, move over, Tasha Cobbs. I don't need that. He knows my name. And see, I'm just. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. It's rocking and rolling in my car. I'm surprised I've never had a DUI. Sir, are you under the influence? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having too much fun with this. Because I'm just talking about my life. This is how you live, you understand? I'm not making this stuff up. It's the way it goes. But you got to find your lane to build your relationship. Is that, you understand? You don't have to do it my way, but you, you, you need to take some time. Talk to Him, love Him, read His Word, worship. See, you, you come to, and what happens, you begin to know His voice. You begin to trust Him. You begin to follow him. You begin to build something. This is what God told me to do, and I did it, and it worked. This is what he said. I'm trying to make a decision. So see, he becomes your comforter, doesn't he? He becomes your counselor. He becomes your wisdom. He becomes your peace. Well, pastor in this church, I'm reading those Proverbs every day. I said, God, you said if I had wisdom, if I have knowledge, if I have understanding, God, it's better than gold. It's better than silver. God, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. I read James 1. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask the Father who gives generously to all and upbraideth not. God, give me wisdom. And I pray, God, I need wisdom to lead you wonderful church and, and strength. And he gives you hope and he gives you joy. And then he heals you from your brokenness. Where? It's happening right here. See, I, 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 the more you build this relationship with the resident God, the less worried I'm about who else is going to pray for me or help me or touch me. or you, you understand? Because I'm so busy with the one who is the healer. I'm, I'm so busy with the... I'm not rushing around trying to find someone or something. I'm, I'm with him. And he's my healer. 
and my deliverer. And, he, and he began, you begin to look at your life and bitterness starts coming off you. And unforgiveness and rejection and shame leaves you. It's, it, it's an amazing work that God has done. He, 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 he works in us. And see, so what happens? Look at this. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. See, what happens with this resident God? Look at these things. I want you to see that this is what happens. That's why it's important to know there's a resident God. Oh, I love this. Look at this. Look at this. 2 Peter 1. See, look. His divine power, are you with me, has given us just enough to get by. Everything. Somebody say everything. I'm sorry. I keep trying to sing today. That's enough of that. I'm making myself sing. I'm enough. That's enough. I'm way over the limit. His divine power has given us what? Everything we need, isn't that amazing? For a godly life, through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now look at verse 4. It even gets better. Look at this. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Stop for a minute. Are you just reading or hearing? The nature of God's in us. We're participating in the divine nature. And if I never walk in that and give some time and develop this relationship with this God who's living in me, I don't begin to realize that. See, I told you in the beginning, the question is not, how much of God do I have? I have him all or I have him none. Do we all agree with that? You know, yeah. I, I, we used to laugh. We had a friend, he said, when he came to Calvary, he was about half saved. I said, partner, there's no middle. You were or you weren't. How many understand? I knew what he meant. He said, I was about half saved before I came to Calvary. <laughs> I heard him testify. Later on, I said, mm, you weren't saved. Or either you were or you just didn't know it. The question is not how much of God. The question is how much of me. This divine, we participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. See, this divine nature is at work in us, guys. And as we spend time with him and walk with him and fellowship with him, you know what happens? His nature is changing our nature. That carnal nature is being overcome by the nature of God. I'm beginning to hear his voice. I'm having a comforter, a counselor, an encourager, a healer, a deliverer. Why? Because he's the resident God. I don't just visit him on Sunday at Calvary Assembly. I walk with him every day. I walk with him. He's the resident God. He's working in me. Look at this. Uh, Philippians 2.13, Amplified Translation. I want you to see this. Philippians 2.13, Amplified. Look at this. I, I love this. Why, look, come on, read it with me. For it is not your strength, okay, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. And what is God doing by his nature? Watch this. Both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. God literally creates in you the desire to do right and the ability to carry it out. Wow. He changes your want to. He changes your desire. He changed it. I'm sorry. Let me, let me come on this side of the church a little bit over here. Same verse, different side. Look at this. Energizing and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. The longing and ability to fulfill your purpose. As we walk with the resident God, he literally begins to change our nature to his nature. His nature is in you already. His nature rises in strength. 
And he energizes you, empowers you to what? Have the desire to do his will. And he gives you the ability to carry it out. I've heard people say before, well, I want to do what's right, but I can't. Paul wrote about that in Romans 7. But if you keep reading, he gets to Romans 8 and he says, what the law or the scripture trying to be obeyed by myself, trying to obey scripture by yourself, was unable to do, God did by sending his son. And then he says, the law of the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, the resident God, set me free from the law of sin and death. So guys, here's the deal. We have God residing in us. The God of the universe living in us, changing our nature. Every day, every moment we're living, he's changing our desire, changing our nature, giving us the ability to obey him. And so as we learn to walk and fellowship and be with him and comfort him, uh, he comforts us and encourages us. It's it's an amazing thing. Now, I'm at a precarious moment. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to do something that, that I normally don't want to do because I felt a moment here. I, I'm going to stop. I've got so much more to preach. I want to stop there. I want to ask the worship team to join me. Don't get excited. We're not through yet, all right? But I want to create a moment for us. Because let me tell you something. Listen closely while they're coming. I want to, hey, guys, put up uh, Psalms 2, verse 3 in the two translations I have, right? Look at Psalms 22, verse 3. Psalm 22, 3. Look at this. I want us to do something. It's so important that we don't just look at what we do here on Sundays or any time you're taught the Word as a theory, but it's reality. Jesus said it doesn't matter how much Word you've heard in His parable, but it's the man who does the Word whose house stands when the storm comes. Now, somehow we've been taught that if you are a good Christian, the storm doesn't come. That's what the Word says. The difference in in a solid Christian and a person that's weak is not... One had a storm and one didn't. Listen, are you listening? The difference is they both faced the storm, but one stood and one didn't. And the one who stood was the one that when he heard the word, he put it into practice. He didn't just go to church and say, amen. He walked out and did it. So this is what I find. This is what I want you to see. Last week, remember, I taught you how we're to pray for his kingdom to come. And how do we know his kingdom has come? The king comes. His presence comes. When his presence comes, everything God wants to do can happen in that place. Everybody with me? Okay. So as we begin to walk through this relationship of this resonant God, one of the critical things that we do, I told you a moment ago, you worship, you pray, you read, you spend time, you talk with him. So one of the most important things that invites the presence of God to us and releases the presence of God in us It's when we begin to worship. Now, Jesus said, where two or three get together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Listen to me. Everybody everybody with me? Okay. How does this work? God's living in us. I want to show you something very special about getting together. God's living in us. But when we come together in his name and his presence, we begin to honor him and worship him. Not only does the God who lives in us He's there with us individually. He says something happens. He manifests himself in that moment. He begins to come in a corporate way. His presence begins to manifest. So I want you to stand with me. I want us to do I want us to worship together. I'm not going to ask you to come forward because I want you to be comfortable right where you are. And I want you to have a moment to encounter this God who lives in you today. And the way you do that is one of the most 
important ways is worship. Because look at the King James. But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God lives in praise. The kingdom comes when you praise. Let's look at the Passion Translation. Look, it says this. Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You're God, enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Where is God? Where we worship Him. Where we praise Him. You know what's stunning about this? is probably one of the most often quoted. I'll come back and teach you some more on this next week. Verses about God inhabits praise. That's verse 3. But you know what verse 1 of this same psalm is? What Jesus quoted on the cross. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? And two verses later. See there it is. Two verses later. He says but you inhabit praise. (laughs) Do you know the thing about worship? You can be going through the worst moment in your life. My God. (laughs) My God. Where are you? I don't feel you. (laughs) God where are you? But you know what Jesus Psalm 22, the psalm he quoted two verses later. It's the worst day I've ever had, but I'm going to worship you. (laughs) But I'm going to worship you. And you know what happens when you worship him? God comes. He inhabits. He steps in. He's drawn to you.